0: Good morning again. Happy Father's Day. You guys doing well? Yeah. Good. You guys awake? You didn't fall asleep during prayer, right? No? Should I tell some Father's Day jokes to make sure you're awake? I'm a father, so you're going to laugh at my jokes no matter what, even if they're bad, right? Yes? It's Father's Day. You're going you're gonna to indulge the father in the room? All right. What does a baby computer call his father? Data. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the false laughter. I'll take any kind of laughter I can get. All right. Don't worry, I got another one. If you thought that was bad, it only gets worse. What did the baby nut say to his dad while he was chasing him? I cash you. All right, finally, finally, I'll I'll end it with this one. I have the best Father's Day joke about nepotism. But I only tell it to my kids. Ah, ne- They have no idea what nepotism is, so they're not laughing. Um, all right, done with the jokes. But uh, I, I am so thankful that we have good fathers in this house. Uh, we have the best father. Uh, we just sang and worshiped him this morning, but I am. I've just been reflecting on how this church over the last 70 years has been filled with godly men who lead well, who just represent the character and the goodness of God. And I'm so thankful that Jen said a prayer over the fathers this morning. But um, I am praying that this message this morning does bless the fathers in this room, but that it's not just for the fathers in this room, that we all get something out of this. And um, I am excited to see how this message comes out myself. Um, So I'm going to pray that God helps me, that Holy Spirit is able to minister to all of us. Because even before I pray, I know that all of us in this room, we come to this day maybe with different backgrounds, right? I, I have a very good biological dad in the room still alive here with me, and I'm so thankful for him, and I get to spend time with him today. There's many of you in this room, you don't have your dad here any longer. There's some of you in this room that you didn't get to be raised by a godly father. And we all have different backgrounds, and we have different feelings or emotions when it comes to this day. But I am praying that the Holy Spirit is able to minister to all of us, to to bless us, to encourage us, comfort us, but also challenge us and uh, call us out of um, where we are weak and that as a good dad, he would make us strong. Um, Yeah, so let me pray over that and then uh, we'll see where the Lord takes us. So let's pray. God, I thank you for today. I thank you that you have a good word. You are a good dad and you always feed us well. And so would you be the good shepherd and feed us the sheep with good food today? Take us to green pastures where we can rest where we can get nourishment, but also strengthen us and equip us so that we can walk through the valley of shallow death and fear no evil. God, I pray that each one of us would leave here having an encounter with you as our Father, that we would never fear what the evil one is doing against us because greater is he who is for us and he who is in us than he who is in the world. And so we thank you that you're a good Father and we give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. So, as you see, it's been talked about already. VBS is here, right? Decorations everywhere. I love this church, in a sense, to me. I think we roll out the red carpet when it comes to kids. We go all out, uh, we spare no expense. We just we want to be a blessing to kids. And I think that's incredible. Don't ever want to stop doing that. But today is a special day where we call out the men, right? And so we, it is important that we honor our fathers and mothers, right? That's in the Ten Commandments. It's important that we do that. And even though we have a Mother's Day and we love the moms in this room, the ladies in this room, today is a day where we speci- specifically single out the men, right, and the importance of men. And I don't know, I was sharing with some uh, leaders during prayer this morning, there's been just this last week thinking about Father's Day and yesterday was our man day where we got to do some grunting and play some games and hang out. Uh, just this idea of recognizing the importance of men in my own life, men in society. Um, it's a big idea. It's a, it's a big, um, important idea that we honor men, that sometimes we don't do a very good job of. And I just want to make sure that I'm doing that a better job in my life. And that also at the same time, as a man, I'm stepping into my responsibility to be a father, to be a mentor, to be someone that bestows wisdom and protection and grace and all those things that I do to my biological children. And just this past week, um, I've been feeling a greater heaviness or not, maybe heaviness is the wrong word, uh, a greater weightiness. It's the kind of the same thing, but different. Heaviness seems like oppression and bad, not that weightiness, meaning the responsibility of God's yoke on my life as a father, not just biological-forged kids, but as a father in this room. Um, I was reminded of the day I recognized that I was going to be the next lead pastor. Um, I went to Papa Greg. Is Papa Greg in the room? I saw him earlier. Where is is he at? Oh, back there. I see him. There he is, Papa Greg. I remember going to Papa Greg, and I went to just about three people, uh, and I said, I'm going to be like the head of the church but I need to have people that are over me, that I submit to. I don't want to be like the head with nobody over me. I got to make sure I have people in my life that are holding me accountable, calling me out when I'm wrong and telling, speak truth into my life. And so I went to Papa Greg, who was one of them. And I said, hey, I'm about to be lead pastor. Would you be responsible for me? Would you take me and say, call me out when I'm wrong? And all these things. Anyway, so he said, yes, he agreed to that and prayed for me. But he did something I'll never forget. After he agreed to, to be a papa to me, He looked me in the face, looked me square in the eyes, and with an intensity and a firmness in his eyes, he looked into my eyes and he said, but don't forget that you're now my pastor and you better lead me well. And when he said that, it shook me to my core because I was just going to him, just asking, I need more men in my life. I need more godly men. I need, I need, I need. But when he came to me, he said, yeah, but you're also my dad too. You're responsible for me. You're the pastor of this church. It hit me. I needed to be hit that way. I needed a dad in my life to say, wake up to your responsibility. And so I feel like in a sense this morning, there's a little bit of that for me specifically, but I feel for some other people in this room, that God is wanting to do that this morning. He's wanting to let you know he's a good, good father. He's going to protect you. He's got all these things for you. At the same time, he's wanting to raise you up into a place of responsibility that you're not just a little child needing a dad all the time, that you are to be a parent you are to find how you can be a blessing to others and not just receive all the time. Is that making sense? Um, really quick, uh, won't bore you with statistics, but to show you the need for parents to step up in our society, um, specifically fathers on this Father's Day, um, statistics. I already heard this one, and then I heard uh, the guy that was speaking yesterday at our men's meeting, he quoted the same statistics. Um, 93% of the people that are incarcerated in jail in America are men. I think most of us know that the majority are men, but 93% are men. And of all the people that are in jail, 85% of all those that are incarcerated came from a family without a father. That is phenomenal. 85%. That's not a coincidence. That's not just kind of an outlier, like greater than 50. It's like, that is the pandemic going on, not a COVID, not a virus. There is an attack on fathers, on the authority that God has placed on men to be the head of a household and households to help shape a church and for church to help shape a neighborhood and the neighborhood to shape the city and the city, the state and the state, the country and the country, the world, right? Ultimately, if there is to be a revival before Jesus returns, and I love it because it's the very last verse in the Old Testament before Jesus comes on the scene. The very last verse, right, in Malachi chapter 4, I forget what exactly the verse it is now. But what does God say? He says, before the great day of the Lord, before I come, I will send Elijah, right, the spirit of Elijah. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children and the hearts of the children towards their fathers, What an incredible promise from God himself that before Jesus returns, this horrible statistic, 85% of all those that are in jail, not because they're just evil people. Can I say this too? Oh man, I feel like there's some one-liners in here that maybe I'm gonna preach for the next 30 minutes, but some of you need to grab a hold of some of these one type of things because this isn't just a Father's Day message. God is learning to break my heart for things differently as a father because when I think about people that are in jail, On my own, without being a father mentality, I just judge them as dumb, irresponsible, evil people making stupid choices. And I judge them. But I remember hearing this phrase years ago. Wounded sheep bite. It's not natural for a sheep to bite. Sheep are docile animals. They eat grass, right? They don't bite each other. They don't eat other animals. They they just eat grass. But when their shoulder is dislocated and it's all in pain, and you go and touch that shoulder, ah, they bite you. 85% of those that are committing crimes in America are wounded sheep. They're acting out in evil ways because they didn't have a dad in their life. Loving them, protecting them, speaking wisdom into their life. How do you stop murder? How do you stop crime? It's not with more police officers. It's not changing the political system. It's actually praying what the very last verse in the Old Testament God, would you bring a revival where men's hearts are turned back towards children and children are crying out for their dads? Man. If I really took on the mantle that God sees me as as a dad, things would be different, not just in my own kid's life. I know as I'm learning this, I feel like I'm just barely scratching the surface that when I walk into a room... I'm to see myself as a father. When I go to the grocery store, I tell it all the time. When I go to the grocery store, my wife, when she goes, she talks to everyone. They're like picking out which grapes to get, and she'll start telling, "Oh, these grapes are the best." And she'll start. To, I'm like, "They're strangers. Why are you talking to them?" Right? Like I don't do that. I'm a very. I, I, I keep saying I'm an introvert, but God's called me into a position of being an extrovert. But on my own, I don't like talking to other people. I just. I, that's not natural for me. But the Lord is transforming, saying, God, "Ryan." You're to walk into a room with a mentality that you are a father. Are you looking for, and I don't mean this with arrogance. Man, can I, I see Bob Kennedy, who's old enough to be my dad, right? He's not my biological dad, but I revere him and honor him as a spiritual dad. At the same time, like I talked about Papa Greg, I look at him as I'm preaching. I have a responsibility to be a spiritual father to him as well. And the Lord is just reminding me more and more in these last weeks that I've got to see that when I walk into a room, I've got to have a place of authority that I can change the atmosphere. I can shift things. As a dad that has a heart towards children, I view people differently. I don't view them as these stupid people making stupid choices. I say, they need a dad in their life. Man, how can I be part of what God wants to do to help heal that dislocated shoulder? I hope this is making sense because it's not just for me. I wouldn't be sharing this if this was for me this morning. This is for everyone in the room. We've got to shift our mentality of how we view other people. Hmm. So I want to look this morning. I say three things. I think we'll get to all three of them. We'll see how in-depth we get. But three things that this is not an exhaustive, but I'm just saying for this morning, there's three things that help make up a perfect father. Raise your hand if you have an earthly perfect father. Nobody should be raising their hands except for those kids in the front pew. (laughs) Just kidding, right? Nobody has a perfect father. We've all got messed up dads that have made mistakes. But I love that song we sang this morning, the very first song, right? That we don't have to bring our shame and our mistakes. He doesn't look at us. God, our father in heaven, doesn't look at us and just look at all of our mistakes. He sees us under the blood of the lamb. He sees us as forgiven. I'll stop and say that. Some of us need to forgive our imperfect fathers. I don't have time to just stay on that all Sunday morning, but some of you, it would do you well if we stayed on that all, all morning long. You didn't have a perfect dad. And the father in heaven weeps with you. And he wants to comfort you, but he doesn't want you to stay in that place of being broken and being that wounded sheep that keeps biting. He wants you to forgive your dad and actually be able to enjoy a Father's Day and enjoy that there's other fathers in your life or find some other fathers or be, even if you're a woman in the room, be fatherly in the way that you love other people. So I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is hitting all these things as I'm, I'm kind of hitting them as I go. But there's three things I, I feel like the Lord wants to highlight of what makes up, at the core, what makes up a perfect father. Again, only our father in heaven is perfect. But I want to look at three men in the Bible that are very prominent fathers. And so, I'll just give them to you off the bat. The very first father to ever exist on this planet. who was he? Adam. Adam. All right, Sunday School Trivia. Adam. All right. Um, who? Okay, the most famous character in the Bible, Sunday School Trivia. If you ever get asked a question in Sunday School, what's the right answer? Jesus. Jesus. All right. So, I'm not talking about Jesus' biological dad because he actually didn't have a biological dad, right? Joseph, not him. Not. What do we call Jesus when Pastor Greg gave the sermon and someone was crying out for mercy? They called him what? Son of David. David, David is another one we're going to look at. He's a very famous father. And the third one, if you grew up in Sunday school, you sang a song and maybe you swung a right arm or you swung a left arm. Father Abraham, maybe the most famous of all of them. He's the father of our faith. All throughout the New Testament, it talks about how that's how we get righteousness. It's through faith. And Abraham was the example of that. And so the idea is we're going to look at these three, probably the most famous fathers in Scripture. And so I don't have verses up here. So if you didn't bring a Bible, there's a Bible in the pew in front of you. Or you can open up your app. We're going to read several por- uh, longer portions of Scripture than we normally do when I preach. Um, so turn to Genesis. We're going to look at Adam first. So Genesis chapter 3. And we're going to look at verse 1. Yeah, we'll do it. 1 through 12. Genesis chapter 3. I better turn there myself. I didn't mark it. Should have done that. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And you would think this would be the story that I want to get to, but actually him being a father is in chapter 4, but this is the setup in chapter 3. So let's read the first six verses, and we'll stop for a second and read the last six verses. So Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. We'll stop there. The very first six verses is all about the woman and a serpent. And then the very last part of that last verse, it talks about Adam. Where was Adam when all that story was happening? Right there. Right there. He says, with her. He was with her during this dialogue. My first point is, a perfect father is one who protects. The definition of love, I'll kind of give some of my, tilting my my cards here. Definition of love, protects, provides, and pursues. That's where we're going this morning. A perfect father protects, provides, and pursues. In the story of Adam, I want to look at protection. One of the things that dad does is protects innocence. When my kids Were infants, they didn't know what the world was, this big, bad world, right? And it was my job to protect them as little kids. As they get older, I still, it's my role to protect them. But as I got a 15-year-old that's now taller than me, bigger than me, and stronger than me, my protection looks a little different. But I'm still called to protect him. In the number one way, not physically, because he can beat me up already. He thinks so, at least. Never will be able to. Um, Spiritually. My job is to protect him. I have a role as a father to protect. In this story, it doesn't say if Adam had kids yet or not. But we know for a fact his role was to protect as a husband. And what was he doing while the enemy is speaking lies to his own wife? He's sitting off in the corner, disengaged, lazy, saying, well, that's her problem. To be... To fix society, we need men that stand up and say, no, I'm going to protect and become a little bit more like a lion. I loved what D- Nick did during worship. He said, no, go back and kind of play that drumbeat again. I almost got up, probably should have. And I said, I feel like we need to roar. I feel like we need to be like a Nick is a Marine. Like we need to do the hoorah or do something, do a grunt, do something where we're letting the enemy know, no, you don't have the authority in this space. If Adam had heard the enemy come and start talking to his wife and would have been a Marine or a lion and said, what are you doing here? Get out of here. We wouldn't all be in this mess today. (laughs) But Adam didn't step up to protect. And because of that, we're in a mess. 85% of people committing crimes are in a mess because there wasn't a dad in their life to protect them. To be a good dad, to be a spiritual mentor to people, there's times where you need to step up and be a lion and roar. Can I say this from the pulpit? To tell the devil, get your hell out of here. So in a sense, get the hell, your hell out of here. It might not seem appropriate, but there needs to be that boldness as a man to say, get the hell out of here. And we think, oh, little kids don't need to hear that. Yes, they need to see a big and strong dad. I loved hearing my kids when they were little. Well, my daddy can beat up your daddy. I was always the smallest guy on the football team, but they still believe that. I don't know if they believe it anymore, but they used to believe that their dad could beat up any other dad. They need to see that. I was thinking about even in the, the, the animal kingdom, right? What do lions do? There has to be an alpha male lion that's leading the, the pride. And at some point, there's an, there happens to be a fight And I don't think all the little baby cubs like seeing their dads fight. But at some point when there's an alpha male that clearly has the strongest ability and the authority, those kids feel safe when that guy's around. There's something about when you know God is in the room, you feel safe. When you know that truly the core of your being, when you know that God is for you, who could ever be against me? Some of us are like children that are afraid. And God is saying on Father's Day, stop being afraid. You have a perfect father who is strong and mighty. Oh man, I'm thinking of old VBS songs. I don't even know if I can sing it. My, strong, uh, my God is so strong. He's, no, my, our God is so great, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing he can, my, my God cannot do. Right? Totally butchered the song. That's why I don't lead worship. But there's something about those kids' songs getting it in their heads. Our God is so big and so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. That needs to come out of our mouths more often as adults. I've got a big dad up in heaven. And if I take Psalm 23, he's got a big stick. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. How does that rod and staff comfort me? Because when a big bad wolf comes, my daddy's shepherd hits that wolf over the head. Says, get out of here. I need to be protected. I need to have, there's a a God in heaven who protects me. You need to know there is a God in heaven who is watching over you. He will never leave you, never forsake you. He's a good father. Hmm. All right. Like I said, I'm looking forward to see how the sermon goes too because I'm going over here again. Let's see where it goes. If each one of us are 100% honest in this room, There's times where you don't feel like God is protecting you. You've gone through something, and you've said, like David and the psalmist, over and over again, God, where are you? Why didn't you protect me from this evil, from this pain, from this bad situation? You have the power to stop it, and you didn't. Where are you? We've all gone through that. If you haven't, you will. Is it because God is distant, like Nick's open-up worship? that he's off in the galaxy somewhere and you have to try to get your prayers to land in the right spot. No, he is always watching over you. But sometimes in our finite brain, we look at our situation and we conclude God must not be so big or he must not be so loving, one of the two. (laughs) So really quick, the story of my own being a a dad. Um, One of the stories that stands out as being a dad that not a fun experience, But on the other end of it, it was so pivotal and so so many spiritual truths being poured into my life. I won't do it the long version. I'll try to do the short version. When Benjamin, my oldest, was, what, two years old? Um, Climbed a dresser, fell on him, hit him the the bridge, the the nose, blood everywhere, taken him to the ER, had to get stitches, won't go through the whole story. But while he's being pinned down with his arms behind himself and forced down with nurses everywhere, holding him a strap over his head. He can't move. And I'm there with all the nurses in the ER looking over him, and he's looking at me smiling at Dad because Dad's in the room. He feels safe. The biggest guy in the room is Dad, and he's safe, right? And so he's looking at me smiling, and all of a sudden, the ER doctor goes and gets a needle and starts – it didn't just – wasn't. Sorry, i got to gross you out because I'm a dad. Dads tell gross stories. So when you're a kid, all your bones haven't fused yet. It's still cartilage. And so what happened was it didn't just split the skin. It split the cartilage. So like literally, I could have put my finger all the way into his brain. Like it was this huge hole. Anyways, so the doctor had to get a fish hook and go deep in and get the cartilage and stitch the cartilage together, not just the skin on top. And so as the doctor goes and pierces that first time, my two-year-old is looking at dad in the room and he screams in pain. And he says, dad, they're hurting me. And I'm like, oh, you know, my dad's heart. And he says, dad, why won't you stop them? He's questioning, you have the power and you love me and you're letting them cause pain in my life? What's wrong with you? Talk about my heart, just a mess. He's going through pain, and my heart is a mess, and in his brain, he's thinking his dad doesn't care. Why are, you're standing right there, and you have the power, and you're letting them hurt me, Dad. I knew something he didn't know. I knew he needed that to happen in his life. Things needed to come back together to be in alignment for him to be healthy. He didn't want to go through the pain, and he didn't understand why a loving dad would let him go through that pain. Some of us, we go through pain, and we question still to this day, God, why did you let that happen? Can I tell you this morning, you don't see things the way your God in heaven sees things. But in the midst of your pain, he was weeping more than you were. It did not bring him any pleasure. He was not some distant God who didn't care. He was right there in the room with you. Some of you need to have that truth just pressed down, shaken together, that there is a Father who protects you and loves you. Adam didn't do such a great job of protecting his wife. I'm not going to read it. Read the last six verses. Adam shrunk back in fear when the enemy showed up. Read the next six verses. When God shows up, Adam shrunk back in fear and hid. And then finally says, where are you? What happened? What did Adam do? It was that woman you gave me. Again, shrinking off all responsibility. Adam was not doing a great job. Read the next chapter, chapter 4, verse 1. It's the story of Cain and Abel. I wonder, Cain was the first murderer, the first person that should have been in prison. I don't know what Adam and Cain's relationship would like, but according to statistics today, Adam must not have done a very good job. And can I say this really quick? I have four beautiful kids that are following God, and I am so thankful for that. I understand every child has a free will and you could be the very best parent in the world and still have a child that becomes a prodigal. I I am not saying that you always bear in the adult age responsibility of all that your children. I get that. So I'm not saying that all of what Cain did is 100% on Adam. I, I don't know the situation. But from knowing context, Adam hid when God showed up. Read the story. When Cain started getting bitter towards his brother, God showed up. And Cain had the same response as his dad. Well, what am I, my brother's keeper? I don't care. He shrieked off his responsibilities. I just wonder if Adam was there to be a good dad and to bring wise counsel and to say, let me confirm what God is telling you, Cain. Let me tell you how I messed up. I don't want you to repeat the same problems. Let me help break this curse in your life. I wonder if Cain would have committed murder. I don't know the answer to that. But I just look at these stories where I'm not trying to paint Adam as this horrible man, I'm just saying there is a problem with men being good fathers. And it needs to be that we are praying for God to churn the hearts of fathers towards their children, the hearts of children towards their fathers. We will not see revival, we will not see Jesus return until that happens. I wish it was just God waving a wand and he gets to make it happen, but every prophetic word that God gives, he gives to people to steward, to help make happen. We have a co-laboring with Christ. In every prophetic word. And so we've got to see this happen. All right. For the sake of time, we're going to go to the next point, right? Protection. Next one, provision. King David. Let's look at King David's life. We'll skip Abraham. They're not in sequential order. But King David, in, we'll do a read a couple of verses. 1 Samuel 16. Let's go to 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. 1 Samuel. Find it. 1 Samuel 16. Verse 1. Here we go. Let's read. Now the Lord said to Samuel, the prophet, the priest, how long will you mourn for Saul, the current king, seeing I have rejected him from being over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Let's skip to verse 6. Yeah, verse 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab, and said surely the lord's anointed is before him but the lord said to samuel do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because i have refused him for the lord does not see a man does not see as man sees for man looks at the outward appearance but the lord looks at the heart so jesse called abinadab and made him pass before samuel and he said "'Neither has the Lord chosen this one.' "'Then Jesse made Shema pass by, "'and he said, "'Neither has the Lord chosen this one.' "'Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. "'And Samuel said to Jesse, "'The Lord has not chosen these.' "'And Samuel said to Jesse, "'Are all the young men here?' "'Then he said, "'There remains yet the youngest, "'and there he is keeping the sheep. "'And Samuel said to Jesse, "'Send and bring him, "'for we will not sit down till he comes here.' "'So he sent and brought him in. "'Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good-looking.' And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. We'll stop there. So this is the story of David. We keep the son of David, but let's take a quick look on this Father's Day. David's life as Jesse, his dad. I don't know for sure, but I read what some scholars surmise, is that it's possible that not only was David the youngest, but that he was a half-brother to all his other brothers. That Jesse, it's possible, we don't know this for a fact, so don't quote me on this, but some scholars agree that this is very possible. That Jesse maybe even in sin had a child with another woman. They even reference Psalm 51, where David says, he's crying out to the Lord, he says, in sin my mother conceived me, and they're putting these things together. It's possible that David was not the same as the rest of his brothers. That he was treated less than. Again, I'm not trying to say Adam was this bad dad and Jesse is this horrible. I'm not trying to paint out. I'm just pointing at the fact that no one in this room has a perfect father. David did not have a perfect father. It's possible that he was treated less than. Joseph, we know, was treated more than the rest of his brothers. David was treated maybe possibly less than. When it was time to have a party, when it was time for Samuel to pick one of Jesse's sons, Jesse didn't even bring David. Oh, I tried to hide him. Like the priests and the prophet's here, let's not let him know that I have that other son that I had outside of marriage, right? It's amazing how David, maybe having a constrained relationship with his biological dad, then becomes the father of Jesus, the lineage of Jesus, Whoever your earthly father was, it does not limit your destiny. It does not limit your potential of being who God has called you to be. I am so thankful I have a godly dad. At some point, I am not called to live under the shadow of my dad. I've got to live what God has called me to live as. David didn't wear Saul's armor, right? The king, when he went to go fight Goliath, he couldn't wear the leader's armor. He had to wear his own armor. I've got to do this my own way. At some point, some of you need to hear that too. You don't have to carry the sins of previous generations. You can break those things. You can create a new lineage. David created the lineage of kings. There will be a king on the throne forever because of you, David. Provision. Maybe David wasn't given the same provision as his brothers. Maybe. I think the thing I want to highlight, I said, protecting innocence, the number one provision, actually, as a father, is providing discipline. I can provide food for my kids and all the necessity, that's great. At some point, the government will give food to my kids. But the government can't give the discipline my kids need. Only as a dad can I give them the discipline they need. Scripture makes it clear, the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. There are people in this room and there are people in society that are desperate for discipline. And there's times where I want to be liked, and so I shrink back from giving discipline. But again, I'm setting them up. If you give somebody hmm, protections and provisions in the natural without any discipline, you've got a spoiled kid. And the rest of their life is going to be rotten, spoiled and rotten, right? They're going to have a rotten life without discipline. They need to be provided discipline. I don't want to go on a political rant, but we need good police officers and good jails and good discipline in society. There needs to be clear-cut laws and right and wrong that needs to happen. That needs to happen in the church. That there's right and wrong. It's not just, well, we all have differences of ideas, but we all believe that Jesus is the way to heaven. At some point, Scripture is Scripture, and if you're doing something that Scripture says you shouldn't, it's the right thing for you to be called out on your sins. It is healthy and good and appropriate for you to be disciplined. I don't enjoy that role, but God has called me to be one of a disciplinary in your life. I hope that I rise to the occasion to do that, not just for my biological children, but for this church, for this family, that we need discipline. You need to be willing to speak the truth in love, not just me. I don't want to put all the responsibility on me. Sometimes you guys need to give some discipline. Man, I don't have time to get all to it. But even look at David's life. It's possible that David wasn't given the discipline he should have had, or maybe he was treated too harshly. See, some of us, have grown up without enough discipline, and some of us were maybe treated too harshly, and then we swing the pendulum. Well, I don't, wanna, I don't want my kids to go through the same thing I went through, and so we swing the pendulum the other way. It's not healthy. If you look at David's life, he had some sons that he didn't discipline well, and it caused havoc, not just in his own household, but for the entire kingdom. I don't have time to go all that, but what? Uh, um, why can't? Amnon, right? Rapes his half-sister. David does barely anything to discipline his son. Right? Absalom tries to take over a coup, take over the whole kingdom. And David, instead of fighting for what's right, leaves and lets his son take over. It's not okay to not bring discipline. It causes havoc not just in your own child's life, but now in the ripple effects. Hmm. All right, really quick. We've got to get there because I got... Constraint of time, so protection, provision, pursuit. Abraham. Ah, all right. Let's do this really quick. Genesis chapter twenty-two, verse one. Genesis chapter twenty-two. Genesis twenty-two, famous story. You guys know this. In fact, I just gave you the address. You can read it yourself. Let's take good your time. Let's go. The story, Sunday school, many of you have heard this before. Abraham goes to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. I used to think, what a horrible situation for Isaac. To be laid on the altar, to see your dad almost kill you. What kind of damage did that create between father and son? But actually, as you read the story, it actually instilled something that was beautiful in Isaac's life. Abraham pursued God no matter the cost. Isaac got to watch a dad that loved God more than anything. He had the prime example. My dad was willing to kill me because he actually loves God more than he loves me. How healthy is that for every child here? That I know my dad will do whatever God says no matter what the cost. He pursues righteousness over everything else over money, over fame, over power, over being right or wrong. He just wants to be righteous in God's eyes. My dad loves God with all his heart, mind, and soul, and strength. What does that do for a child? I don't think it damaged Abraham and Isaac's relationship at all. Maybe in the moment, like Benjamin in the moment at two years old, Dad, what are you doing? But over time, Isaac realized, I've got the best dad in the world. That no matter what God asks for, my dad will do. I want to be like my dad when he grows, when I grow up. What would it be like to have men in this room that were like Abraham, that pursued God, pursued righteousness at any cost? I think that's what would transform society. Men that pursued God over everything else. Too many men pursue whatever it is. Riches, money, 401Ks. You name it. But if we pursue God, and I love this to kind of wrap this up because I don't have time to unpack all that I have in here, but you have a God in heaven who protects you perfectly, whether you feel like it or not. That song we sing, even when I don't see it, even when I don't feel it, you're working all things for my good. You have a perfect father who is protecting you perfectly. You have a perfect father who is providing for you perfectly. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. How does Psalm 23 begin? David says this. The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my God. Or the Lord is my father. I shall not want or I lack nothing. I have a God in heaven who is my father. Therefore, I lack nothing. You have a perfect father in heaven who is pursuing you. Talking about sheep a lot this morning. I had no idea he was talking about sheep. Jesus gives the parable of the shepherd that has 100 sheep and he counts. I got 99. (gasps) One's missing. I'll leave the 99 and go pursue the one. We have a perfect father who will pursue you. He's in constant pursuit of you. Anytime you turn your face towards him, he's already looking at you ready and willing and wanting to spend time with you. Hmm. So close close service. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I hope something, maybe it was a one-liner, maybe it was a principle, maybe it was all three principles, that I'm calling out fathers in this room to be like our perfect father in heaven. But can I say that I even pray I'm just calling out people by name. Even my son Joshua, at 13 years old, this next week at VBS, he's going to be a spiritual father of little kids underneath him in VBS. He's not a biological dad. He might have thought a Father's Day means nothing to me. But today, he's going to get a mantle just like the rest of you that want it, a mantle of fatherhood. That we are going to be responsible, not just to be children that need a dad in heaven to love on us and protect us and provide for us and pursue us, that we are going to be people who actually protect others. We're not going to be like Adam that shrinks back when the enemy shows up. We're going to boldly say, get the hell out of here. We're going to be like David and say, regardless of how I was treated by my biological dad, I will be a dad who provides love and grace. I didn't even get it all to it. But what did David do? It says he had mighty men really quick. How did he get those mighty men? When he was an outcast of society running from his life, King Saul was trying to kill him and he found some other outcasts of society, people that belonged in jail and ran away. He transformed these men, these outcasts that probably were fatherless and he transformed them into the mighty men of David. You and I are to have that same mantle of David. That we can create mighty men out of anybody. Because we provide whatever God gives us, we provide to others. I just gotta hit it one more time. That pursuit, right? These three things: protecting, providing, pursuing. There's somebody in this room that you would love to be pursued. You would love for their, like I said. Papa Greg, pursue me. Be a good dad in my life. Come check in on me. Come do all these things. And I feel like the Lord is saying, yes, you need some people like that in your life, but also you need to be someone who pursues others. Proverbs says the person that has lots of friends is actually friendly. If you don't have friends, it's because you're not being a friend to somebody. You don't have a lot of fatherly good advice in your life because you're not actually doing that to other people. And I know that may sound harsh, but you need to hear the truth you want some godly influence in your life, start being a godly influence in other people's lives. Pursue them. Hmm. So let's do this. As we close, the worship team can come on up. I know we're crammed up here. So come on up with the rest of the worship team. We're going to do it. I, I know we're at time. We're already two minutes over. All well. It's Father's Day Tell your dad to wait for lunch just a couple minutes later. Oh, in fact, before I forget, if you have time to stick around after service, we've got to take all the Bibles and pews and papers out of the pews and we've got to move the pews. I just need help. So if you're willing to stick around after service, guys, I can use your help. Women, I can use your help. So stick around after service. Before we do that, I just don't want to forget that. Can you bring it back? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Can you be real in this moment? If you need some protection, in your life, you need the safety and security and fear to be eradicated from your life, knowing that there is this roaring lion that is sitting right next to you. That man, if anyone ever tried to come against you, uh, I fear no evil because you're right here with me. If that's resonating in your life, would you just stand so I can just pray over you and maybe other people can just stretch your hand and pray over you? You need fear to be eradicated from your life. And you just want the peace of God to rule and reign in your heart and mind. All right. So if you're not standing, would you just stretch out a hand or if you're near somebody, put a hand on them. If you're online, we're praying for you too. God, I just pray that right now, the truth of God would hit them in a powerful way. That you are an everlasting God. That you are the same yesterday, today and forever that great is your faithfulness, but also great is your mighty power. You are a good God who works together all things for their good. Would you press that truth down into the core of their bosom? May they know without a shadow of a doubt that this thing that is causing fear would lose its grip on them right now in this moment. And the truth that you are an all-powerful God and all-good God would wash over them and comfort them and give them strength. God, it says that the weak can say, I am strong. So I pray before they leave this room, they would say that out of their mouths. I am strong because I have a strong dad. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. For those of you that you need provision, maybe it's the same people that just stood, but you need provision and you actually maybe need some discipline in your life and you're actually welcoming it. God, would you correct me? Would you actually tell me where I'm wrong and remove this sin in my life? Maybe I've got something that keeps happening and I just want it out of my life. I want you to correct me. I want to get rid of this sin. I don't want to keep carrying it. Would you discipline me? I need men in my life to hold me accountable. Would you be bold enough to stand and say, I just need some provision. I need some discipline in my life. So God, I just thank you for those that are standing, that are willing to say they're humbling themselves in this very moment, that without your loving care, without your loving discipline, they can't do this. They can't win. So God, I thank you that your grace and your mercy where sin abounds, your grace much more abounds. That it's not in them trying harder to remove this that they will have victory. It's in them receiving the goodness of your love. That it's your kindness that leads us in repentance. So I pray as they took this stand in repentance, it would be your kindness that leads them and follows them all the days of their life. Surely your goodness and mercy is following them from this day forward. That when temptation arises, they're gonna remember that it's your mercy and kindness that will always open a door, an opportunity to get out of that temptation. And they will choose it from this day forward. They will choose your mercy in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. And for those of you, lastly, that need to know that God is pursuing you, you need some men or women in your life to be mentors who pursue you, who check in on you. And you want that and you're welcoming that in their life. And I'm going to have a second opportunity if you're that person or if you hear God calling you out and this is me with neon lights pointing at my hand being raised. You know that God is calling you to step up your game to be a father. When you walk in the room to be a father, to be a mother, to be responsible for other people's well-being, and you want the strength and the wisdom to know how to do that well, would you stand?